Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to help yoga teachers transform their teaching by mastering the fundamentals of anatomy. By learning anatomy in my easy step-by-step way, you'll be able to confidently share it in your cues, easily create sequences, and you'll eagerly answer student questions. And all along the way, you'll increase your impact and earning potential. On the podcast here, you will hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, go ahead and visit barebonesyoga.com, my website, for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all that are there, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. And if you'd like, send me a one-line email with the answer to this question. What's your biggest frustration right now as a yoga teacher? And I'm happy to do some brainstorming with you in a free coaching session. My email address is karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get to today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 192. So I'm recording this on the holiday, July 4th, 2022. I hope that uh, if you're here, obviously, in the States, where it's a United States holiday, you're having a a relaxing day, a good day, uh, wherever you are in the world listening to this episode. And I know I have listeners all over the world because I look at the stats. Um, I hope you're having a wonderful day, uh, even though it might not be a holiday uh, in in your area. So today's episode, I'm going to get right to it um, in a moment. I'm talking, we're going to be talking about cues cues for particular postures. And this is kind of an endless topic, one where it sort of never goes out of style and there's always different and new and creative ways we can cue uh, for the poses. And so I'm gonna be going over some cues for some kind of fundamental poses. However, just because they're fundamental doesn't mean you're probably not teaching them and absolutely does not mean they're easy. And in fact, sometimes in the most fundamental postures, we have the biggest opportunity to help our students really um, grow and notice just different shifts in their body. And for us as teachers, these poses we teach probably on the more frequent side, really presents a unique challenge in how do we maybe change a little bit of of how we uh, cue students so that we're not constantly saying the exact same thing. So I'm going to get to that in a moment. I wanted to start out by inviting you to class this week. I just posted the schedule for uh, this week's Uh, class, virtual classes. And if you haven't been to my classes yet, they are virtual. So you can join from, of course, anywhere that you live. And they're just 30 minutes, which I do intentionally. So it's really easy for people to fit them in their schedule. I also have um, quite a few teachers that come to these classes. And I always love to hang out after class and answer any questions that you have really about anything, sequencing, anatomy. I have the skeleton right there. I'm in my home studio. So it's 
really easy for us to launch into a quick discussion about anything sequence related, teaching wise, anatomy question wise. So uh, feel free to sign up. You can find the, um, the sign up page on my website under virtual classes and that's barebonesyoga.com. The other thing I want to let you know is last month, June, was the first month that I kicked off my summer workshop series. And you can still get in on this summer workshop series by becoming a member of my program. Now, many of you probably know that I have an anatomy-based program called the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program. And I've had dozens of teachers graduate from that program with amazing results where they really talk about having greater confidence, higher skill around things like queuing and building sequences and answering student questions, creating new opportunities for themselves in their area to teach higher revenue results, just making better connections with their students. So all of those great results are uh, as a result of them participating in this program. Now, recently I recognized that maybe not everyone wants to be in the full program. Maybe some people aren't ready or they don't feel like they have the time or don't have the budget. So what I did was last month, I created an option where you could just sign up for a membership. And this would give you access to a monthly workshop series that I'll be doing once a month. And it's not just for the summer, it's ongoing starting last month. And you'll also though have access just to the course part of my program. So one of the anchors of my program is an online course, which takes you through 10 easy steps to learn the fundamentals of anatomy. So it's really uh, not only a self-guided process, so you can do it in your own time, but it's a step-by-step -step one. So it's very easy to follow and get results and increase your understanding of anatomy. So when you sign up for this membership, you get the monthly workshop and access to the course, and it's just $59.99 a month. You can cancel it at any time. So maybe you do it just for the summer and then you discontinue, or maybe you do it ongoing, or maybe you eventually enroll in the full program, which gives you access to the practice portal, the anatomy manual, and most importantly, the coaching calls with me. Now, even though you've missed the June workshop, all the recordings for all the workshops go right into the course. So you'll be able to watch the replay. So this month, the workshop is going to be in the middle of the month on July 14th. It's going to be on shoulder anatomy. Last month we did hip. So to sign up for that either membership or the entire program itself, you can just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com. And right there on the homepage, you'll see the enroll now button. And when you click that, you'll see the $59.99 per month option or to enroll in full. Now, the one thing I am gonna tell you, and this is really just for you as a podcast listener, if you're interested in either of these options and you get in touch with me, in other words, you don't just sign up directly, I 
can and I oftentimes do consider giving people a discount if they enroll in the full program. And I do that because if you take the effort and energy to reach out to me, to give me an opportunity to get to know more about you and what you're looking to do, what your goals are as a teacher, where you want to go as a teacher, I often want to give you an incentive to enroll in my program. So the discount would be for the full program. And if you decide not to do that, you could, of course, still do the monthly membership, which is just, as I said, $59.99 a month. So sign up. See you uh, at that workshop, hopefully. That is, again, on July 14th. Uh, so here we are. Oh, and one more thing I wanted to, to just let you know about and get your feedback on. I've been uh, part of a Facebook group over the past couple of weeks and just seeing just so many questions from yoga teachers about so many different topics outside of anatomy, as well as, of course, anatomy and cueing and all the things that I really, really focus on. However, I've got a whole bunch of knowledge and experience and expertise on the business side of yoga and many other topics, although the business side covers a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm thinking of, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> thinking of putting together a three-part masterclass series focused on kind of a, how do I, how do I write up a contract for a client? How do I come up with sequencing ideas? How do I work with beginners? Because these are literally the questions I'm seeing in this Facebook group, which is thousands of teachers from all over the world. And so I am thinking about creating a three-part masterclass series that would essentially cover a whole host of topics. And you can sort of imagine it kind of like, as a yoga teacher, you're sitting at your desk and you go to Google and you type in, how do I, and then fill in the blank. And I'm going to come up with a whole bunch of commonly asked questions of yoga teachers. And through this masterclass series, I'm gonna present information to answer those questions. So if this is something that sounds interesting to you, I want you to send me a DM on Instagram and let me know and I will add you to the wait list. So you're one of the first people to be notified when I have the registration for this masterclass series available. Okay, so now that we've, or I have shared some of the announcements I wanted to share with you, opportunities that I really love to share at the beginning of the episode when I know I have your full attention. I'd like to go into today's topic, which has to do with, as I mentioned before, cues. So keep in mind my framework for cues that I teach uh, teachers that I work with is the following. Action cues, alignment cues, anatomy-based cues, and feeling-based or somatic cues. And they pretty much are what you would think, although there's quite a bit of detail in each one. I'm not going to go into that extensively here. I've done a number of workshops on this topic. And actually, I have a recorded workshop on my methodology for queuing, which you can find on the events page of my website. And that's a recorded workshop. You can watch it anytime. So just hop over there if you want to get more into detail around my methodology for queuing. For today, I'm going to talk generally about cues for several poses, and it'll be a blend of those four different types of cues. So let's take a look first at a number of balancing postures. So the first pose we're going to look at is airplane. <clears throat> so airplane pose 
All of these balancing postures are fantastic for people of all ages. I will say uh, balance is definitely something that is a super important skill as we get older. So we definitely want to integrate balancing poses even into classes where we might have older students or for those of you out there that are working with older students specifically, balance is such an important skill. Um, all of us, when we are balancing, it's a blend of not only the muscular interaction, the muscular stability, the integration of several muscles. It's also a function of our nervous system, proprioception, bringing all those um, bodily systems into play in order to help us maintain our balance. So it's a really important piece of any yoga sequence. So definitely keep at least a couple of balancing poses in all of your sequences. Now, in terms of airplane in general, of course, it's a balance. So you're standing on one leg. I'll go through some of the cueing as if you were to teach it from standing, which is probably how you're going to be getting into it. Although you probably could integrate airplane into a sequence from another pose. Like you could be in crescent lunge and then go into airplane from crescent lunge. Let's just assume that you're, you have your students standing, you're gonna take them into airplane. So I always like to start my sequencing, or I'm sorry, my cueing around a posture with telling people what I want them to do, getting them into the pose and then maybe sprinkling it with something additional, whether that's an anatomy-based cue or a somatic cue. So starting out with action cues is really good because it meets the student where they're at, it gives them the critical information they need, and the faster you can get to kind of the heart of the matter, the better it's going to be for them. So to start out, you know, I'll just speak it as if I were teaching you, standing with both feet flat on the floor, take your right leg back, extend your arms back by your sides. Reach your arms back, begin to lift your right leg off the floor, lean forward. So however, you know, you kind of rearrange those cues is totally up to you. And obviously this entire episode is not to say, say exactly what I'm saying. It's to give you an idea of formatting your cues. So here, what I basically did in one way or another was I shared action cues to get people into the pose. So now the class is in the posture, the right legs off the ground, the shoulders, uh, the arms are reaching back. You know, you could say something maybe about the gaze, set your gaze. And now you have an opportunity for the two or three seconds that they're in this posture to give them something further. So if you're going to view that through the lens of anatomy, you could say, draw the shoulder blades together. See if you notice that opens the front of the body more. So that's speaking to the rhomboids and the middle trapezius. Uh, adduction of the scapula. You could encourage people to lift the top of the shoulders up, especially if you notice people begin to hunch. Although notice if you cue them to that scapular adduction, they're going to get the external rotation of the shoulders anyway. So they're going to get that lift in the front of the body anyway. The other cue that can be helpful if you see this happening is to ask folks to lift their chin slightly to get them out of that hunching position. As far as the leg in the air, you could bring some attention to that by simply asking them, can you lift that leg a little further? Or can you point your back toe? You know, something to just bring their focus to that back leg to get a little more of the hip extension 
that's coming on that right side. You could also speak to the standing leg in this last little piece of cueing this pose by asking them to root firmly into the ground or squeeze the muscles of the standing thigh or press into the four corners of the feet. Anything that helps them bring a little bit more awareness and integrity into that standing leg. So that's your airplane pose. The other uh, balancing posture is eagle. So eagle has a little different configuration anatomically. We're bringing the hips into adduction. We're bringing the shoulders, uh, the scapula into abduction, and we're bringing the shoulders into flexion. And actually a little bit of external rotation, believe it or not, because you don't want people hunching in, uh, in uh, eagle pose. So again, starting out from standing with the right side first, you could give them the action cues to get them in the pose. Sweep the right arm under the left, lift the elbows to shoulder level, step the right leg on top of the left and hug the thighs together. So these are just really specific action cues, like really notice how essential these cues are. There's not excess, there's nothing conversational. It's just, this is what I want you to do. Do these things, take these steps. This is how you get your students, this is one way, how you get your students into a posture. So now you have several different options for the next thing to do. You could say nothing and let them be in silence. Wow, wouldn't that be, <laughs> wouldn't that be an amazing opportunity? You could cue them to the breath. You could cue them to something anatomical about the pose. You could cue them to something spiritual about the posture or maybe some sensation that might uh, be, you know, a suggestion to notice something in their body or something from a mindset perspective. So, you know, this again, formatting wise, when you give them action cues, tell them what to do, get them in the pose, and then the door opens for you to do something else while they're in it. You know, this is one of the benefits of, you know, not always being in dynamic flow, having a, you know, kind of an obvious pattern that we have in sequencing where we use the dynamic flow to get people into postures and then they're in a pose and they have maybe four or five seconds in that posture where you have an opportunity to do any number of things, several of which I just laid out. So as now you have them in Eagle, anatomically speaking, you could ask them to drop the shoulder blades slightly down the back and see if you notice the shoulder blades moving away from the spine. So this gives them a chance to notice what scapular adduction is. You could even speak to, this is a great way to build up the muscles that draw the scapula away from the spine. We actually use these in low push-up as well. It's called the serratus anterior. So that's just a little anatomy lesson you could give them. That's shoulder-wise. You could ask them to hug the legs in a little bit closer. Do you notice that the squeezing in of the thighs, how there's a strengthening of the muscles on the inner line of the legs? So you could even add these, this is the adductor group. So these are just little moments in each pose where you can add in something that teaches them about the anatomy. All right, so now tree pose is our last balancing posture. So one of the great things about tree is uh, alignment wise, the pelvis is level. So this gives you a chance to talk about what does it feel like to have a level pelvis? Do you have a level pelvis? We're not going for perfect. However, one of the qualities of this pose is we want both hips to be about the same height. 
So this, you know, quality of creating level pelvis does show up in certain postures, things like warrior one, warrior two, and here tree, um, in other poses, not so much like triangle, we're laterally tipping the pelvis. However, here in tree, we do want the pelvis to be level. So again, using the same pattern of starting your cueing out with getting them in the pose, if we're going to start on the right side, starting from standing, root into your left leg, draw the right foot up to the inner line of the leg, press the foot against the leg and open the right hip. Reach your arms up to the sky, right? So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Now they're in it. So now you have your option for any number of things. Cue to the breath, cue to something around mindfulness, silence, or cue to something anatomical. So here you could bring up that issue that, not that issue, you could bring up that quality of the level pelvis. Do you notice both hips at the same level on the same plane? Can you root into your standing leg more? Can you squeeze the, the muscles in the standing thigh? You know, and I oftentimes phrase things as a question to keep people engaged. It's really different as a student when you hear a question asked of you versus when you just hear a cue. So it's a good way to keep people's attention when you pose your cue in the form of a question. So I could say to you in tree pose, root into your standing leg, or I could say, can you root more into your standing leg? And you'll notice, you know, as humans, when we hear that inquiry question, or that inquiry question formatting, it just piques your attention a little bit differently than when you just hear it as a statement, root into your standing leg, or can you, are you able to root more into, can you create more, right? So you see, even just in the podcast here, as when I pose it as a question, I bet it does pique your attention a little bit further. So that's a technique you can use with your students. Now, I know that occasionally there's questions about, can you put the foot on the side of the knee? Is that going to damage the knee? I sort of think that that's like a lot of ado about nothing. You would need tremendous pressure. You'd need to really be pushing into your leg. You'd need to be doing this with such frequency. <laughs> I don't know, 30, 50, 100 times a day to create a real problem there. I highly doubt you're going to see somebody pressing so hard into their leg that they're you know, creating damage there. And something is going to stop the person from doing that when they feel pain. So I don't really think you need to worry about that. You can just say, step the foot against the inner line of the leg. And you don't have to go into that whole thing about don't put it on your knee, don't, you know, above or below the knee, you know, all of this, you know, kind of cautionary, you know, you're going to hurt yourself. I think it's just kind of, it just sort of inflames the students into thinking that there's this potential danger. And I don't really uh, know that it's warranted. Um, if you have a different thought on that, I'm certainly open to discussing it. So feel free to send me a direct message and glad to chat about it. All right, so those are our balancing poses. So the next thing is triangle. We're gonna go over two uh, poses here, of course, triangle itself and twisting triangle. So triangle is a good example of where we do have a lateral tip of the pelvis. We don't have the quality in triangle where the pelvis is level. So typically we'd be coming into triangle from something like warrior two. So let's envision, you know, we have people in downward dog, step the right foot forward, come up into warrior two. So let's just kind of imagine they're in warrior two. So from warrior two, straighten the front leg, reach your right hand, reach your right hand down to your leg or place a block behind the leg. 
take the left arm up to the sky. So again, tell me what to do, tell me what to do, tell me what to do, they're in the pose. So the first thing I wanna address is the block, the placement of the block. I always suggest the block to the outer foot rather than the inner foot because I want them to get external rotation of the shoulders and it's going to be much easier for them to get that external rotation if the block is behind the leg. If they put the block in front of the front leg, it's very easy for them to lean in, especially the arm that they're wading into, that right arm, the arm that's holding the weight of the upper body. So I always say block behind the uh, front leg as a way to facilitate, encourage that external rotation of both shoulders. As far as the front hip, the front hip is in flexion and a bit of external rotation. If they really lock that front leg, it can be difficult to get the requisite external rotation in that front hip. So it can be helpful to say, can you bend your front knee a little bit and roll that front thigh towards the outer wall? See if you can create a little more opening in that right hip and then straighten the front leg, but do it by engaging the muscles of your thigh not locking your knee. So you'll notice that particular batch of cues that I gave, that was like a bunch of different things packaged into one. I didn't start them out with that. My starting out was very um, succinct cueing. Do this, do this, do this. But now that they're in it, I have a chance to sort of, it's kind of like you're making pizza dough. Now I'm kneading the bread, right? So I'm kind of like, they're in it. So now I'm kind of blending everything together and maybe going off into a little bit more hewing that just takes a little more wording to get the point across. But it's okay because they're already in the pose. I'm not giving them those longer cues before they're even in the pose where they're trying to keep up with me. Now they're in it. I can give them the longer cue. I can get my point across, teach the lesson, share the anatomy, whatever the intention is right? Always, there always should be an intention behind the cue that you're sharing. It shouldn't be that you heard it on YouTube and that's why you're sharing it, or you think it's the right thing to say, and that's why you're sharing it. Those kinds of cues never work. They don't work with the students and they don't resonate with you. And they just result in a lack of confidence. When you have an intention behind the cues you share, they come out of your mouth in a way that's crystal clear and you have confidence in what you're sharing. And that is conveyed in the tone, in the clarity, in the pace, in the volume, all of that is experienced by your students when you truly have an intention behind the cues you share. That's one of the magical things about effective cueing. So that's your triangle, your twisting triangle. So now envision coming up from triangle to stand, place your hands on your hips and turn your hips to face forward. Step your back foot in slightly and dial your back foot in a little bit. Take your left arm up to the sky, reach forward, and then bring your left hand down to a block. Reach your right arm up to the sky and expand your arms as wide as you can. So now they're in twisting triangle. So there's a lot going on in this particular pose. One of the things again to focus on initially is that they have that block on the inner foot way too difficult for most people to get the block to the outer foot and have any kind of stability. So don't even mess with it, have them put the block on the inner foot. And then the right hip, you know, they've got the left hand down, the right hip 
has got to start to draw back. So that's a really good anatomical cue to give. Draw the right hip back, draw the left shoulder forward, start to rotate through your thoracic spine, through your chest area, through the rib cage area, reach your right arm up a little more. Because in these twists, we're trying to create rotation through the thoracic. That's a tough spot where spinal flexibility isn't and mobility isn't as great. So really helpful to cue them to that. As they're getting that right hip back, they're naturally gonna create a little more spinal rotation through that thoracic area. And then if you cue them to just give it a little extra beat of opening the arms a little wider, that can really um, help the pose really kind of light up. Back leg, I don't really feel like the heel has to be on the ground. So if they get a little lift of that heel back there, it can sort of give it a little more of an open chain flavor and can allow them to, again, get a little more hip mobility, a little more thoracic rotation, and the full ex fullest expression of the pose can become available to them. Whereas if they kept that back foot locked down, it'd be a lot harder. So that's your twisting triangle. So let's do two more. And these are in the backbend family. So let's take a look at bow pose. So we did airplane from standing. And then of course we have locust on the floor, which are sort of similar. So let's envision we have people on their bellies and we're gonna teach them uh, bow pose. So the typical alignment for bow is to reach the hands back for the outer edges of the feet, which is always kind of a little weird for me because in grabbing the outer edges of the feet, the shoulders are internally rotating. And so you're internally rotating your shoulders and you're pressing your feet against your hands. And you'd think in that position, you'd wanna be lengthening the um, front of the shoulders. So you'd want your hands turned so the palms are facing out and the shoulders are externally rotated. But the somewhat traditional presentation of bow pose is to have the uh, grabbing of the outer edges of the feet, which means the shoulders are internally rotated. Now, it's not really, I don't really have a problem with strengthening Terry's major, which is the internal rotator. I don't really think we have a lot of poses where we internally rotate anyway. So it kind of stands to reason that here you're giving people a chance to strengthen a muscle they don't typically get a chance to do a lot of strengthening for in yoga classes. Just know that you have that option. If you want people to externally rotate their shoulders and bow, you're going to have them reach their hands back, turn their palms open with the thumbs facing up, and they're going to grab the inner edges of the feet, just like they do in standing bow or dancer's pose. If you're going to take them through the traditional framework, reach back, grab the outer edges of the feet, and begin to press the feet back into the hands and lift the front of the body up off the ground. So now they're in the pose. So the real issue here, because it's closed chain, is how much pressure are they gonna press back into their hands with? So I think a good thing to focus on here is awareness. You know, notice as you're pressing your feet back, does it feel like it's too much on the front of the shoulders? Modify or decrease a little bit of that pressure if you're, if you're noticing that. You know, again, a lot of thoracic mobility is needed here. So you could cue them to see if you can open the chest more. Can you squeeze the shoulder blades together more? So again, 
speaking to the rhomboids and the middle trapezius. As those muscles engage, it creates automatically more thoracic spine mobility, and they can get a little more of that arch in the upper back that allows them to get the front of the body off the ground. So that's your locus pose. If we take the flip side, I'm sorry, that's your bow pose. If we take the flip side of that, we come to wheel, Urdhva Dhanurasana. So Urdhva Dhanurasana on the back, so now we have our students on their back. We start out, bring your feet flat to the floor, take your hands up and back with your fingertips pointing towards your shoulders. Begin to press up, hug the elbows in and extend the arms, press the belly to the sky. So now they're in the posture. Again, closed chain, hands are on the ground, feet are on the ground. So you could suggest lift your heels up. This automatically may give them a little more breathing room so that they can get a little more open in the same area as both thoracic spine. You could cue them to relax the head. You could cue them to uh, straighten the feet. A lot of times people will turn their feet out in bow pose because they're using their glute max to help them get off the ground. So hip extension, but gluteus maximus also does external rotation. So sometimes the feet will naturally turn out. So a cue that you could then sort of top it off with is to ask them to keep their feet a little bit straight or straighten your feet a little bit. This is where placement of a block between the feet, squeeze the insteps of your feet against the block or a block between the thighs, squeeze the uh, thighs against the block can help maintain a little bit of that neutral foot positioning. Um, again, you don't want to harp on it if their feet turn out and they can't correct it. Don't worry about it, totally fine. So then you'd bring them down and, um, and that'd be it. So those are some cues for uh, several different postures. And you know this just gives us a chance to talk about cues, frameworks for cues, um, uh, uh, the types of cues that, that I usually recommend in my, in my work with teachers and just kind of this general approach to cueing where you're getting people in the pose and then you're sprinkling on something. And we talked about that earlier, whether that's a little bit of silence or a cue to the breath or something about mindfulness or something about kind of headspace or, or uh, spirituality or connecting to inner self or anatomy, of course, you know, speaking to the anatomy, giving them information about the benefit of the pose. So if you approach your cueing in this way where you're getting them into it and then you're adding on that extra piece, it gives you so much freedom from class to class to change up the cues for the same poses because then you've got that extra piece there that is sort of interchangeable and you can decide in one class to focus on benefit and another class to focus on anatomy and on and on. So it gives you a way to kind of keep things I don't really want to say keep things interesting, but keep leveraging that time in every pose to keep adding to the benefit that you provide your students with. And that's really what it's all about because you want your students to feel that they're getting the benefit of the practice, not just in the physical sense by simply showing up, but also because you're there and you're adding value based upon what you know and what you're sharing with them. So that's it for today. I hope you found this helpful. And again, 
please come to class. I'd love to see you. Don't forget, um, if you missed the beginning of this episode, classes are happening every week. You can find the schedule on my website under the virtual classes page. Any questions that you have about the membership I talked about at the beginning of this episode, definitely reach out to me on Instagram and let me know. And don't be a stranger on Instagram and TikTok. I am posting there every single day with video content that is literally one minute long. So you can get your one minute daily dose of anatomy learning, actually two, two minute, because once on my TikTok, once on my Instagram, every single day. So between the podcast here and my Instagram and my TikTok, those are free channels that you can access for anatomy lessons. And then when you come to my free weekly yoga classes, at least two or three, sometimes four a week, you can hang out after class and get your questions answered. So a lot of free ways that you can stay in touch with me and we can talk about anatomy and I can share information that I have and help you build up your confidence and knowledge so you can continue to help your students and continue to learn ways to build connection with your students and help your students as much as possible. So you can build a really rewarding path as a yoga teacher. So thank you so much for listening. And I will see you here next week on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Hi there. Well, you made it to the end of the episode and now you're listening to the outro, which is amazing. Thank you so much for staying all the way until the end. So I want to just let you know that I just the other day put on my website on the events page a really cool and short, it's like 20 minutes recorded workshop that I've done. And it covers how the topic of how to provide effective cues. And this is something that I get asked about all the time. So I wanted to do a special recorded webinar workshop that you could listen to, you can watch because it is uh, an actual visual workshop as if you were there with me in the studio, uh, or you could just listen to it. I think it's gonna be better if you actually watch it. So how you get to this is super easy. You just go to my website, which is barebonesyoga.com. And on the events page, you're going to see the schedule for the events I'm holding on any particular month. And right on that page, you'll see a link to watch the automated webinar. And I like to call them workshops because in the teacher world, yoga teacher world, that's what we call these deep dives we do into different topics. And this one is no different. So just hop over there, barebonesyoga.com, go to the events page. You can watch this uh, webinar that I recently recorded. Here we are in the middle of 2022, and it's got some really cool ideas and strategies that you can use to really build your confidence in your cueing. So once you watch that, if you have any questions, of course, just reach out to me and let me know. And I'm happy to hop on a call with you and answer whatever questions you might have. Namaste.